This is Ringtones. Welcome to episode three of the All Boxing No Bullshit Podcast. I'm your host and BMF belt winner, Jason Langendorf. Good news. We've been added to a buttload of podcast platforms, including, but not limited to, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Yes, Ringtones is now making that sweet, sweet Steve Jobs coin. Whatever your platform, follow, subscribe, rate, and review the way we do it here in Chicago, which is early and often. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at at ringtonespod. Give us a follow or a like there. And please tell your friends, loved ones, acquaintances, all about us. Global domination cannot happen without your support. For episode three, we are joined by Andrew Cancio, the 31-year-old junior lightweight belt holder who in February shocked unbeaten Alberto Machado to win his title. And then he ran it back in June with another stoppage of Machado to authenticate the first fight. On Saturday night in Fantasy Springs Resort Casino in Indio, California, Cancio will make his second defense in a second fight with Rene Alvarado. Cancio scored a knockout of Alvarado at Fantasy Springs back in 2015, which seems to have been a catalyst of sorts for Cancio's relatively late career surge. Now, 21-4-2, Cancio is a really exciting watch, and he's an easy guy to root for, which we've seen based on the huge crowds he draws to Fantasy Springs, which is not far from his native Blythe, California. He's got a really inspiring story, which most of us can relate to, Uh, Even if you aren't a boxing fan, this one is really worth a listen to hear what a guy is willing to put himself through just to do the thing he feels is his calling. But first, and now we pick up the discussion with 130-pound world titleist Andrew Cancio. Doing pretty well, not just the surface stuff, because I I like to get to know these guys. Uh, um, You and I are talking about a week and a half out from your next fight. Uh, which will be your second defense of your junior lightweight title against Rene Alvarado on Saturday, November 23rd on DAZN. Is your camp over yet? What are your preparations at this stage? No, camp is not over um, today. I'm just going to go for a little run. I take Wednesdays off from the gym just because uh, my work is Monday through Friday and um, training uh, Monday through Saturday, taking Sunday off was. Uh, was a little bit too tiring for me. I'd rather take Wednesday off from the gym and then um, hit it hard Saturday and Sunday. Still hit be able to hit it hard Saturday and Sunday and uh, and have all day to rest and um, recover. So I'll um, take Wednesdays off. I um, go for a little run and then I go get a massage um, at six o'clock. But um, to this week's the last hard week um, of sparring. We sparred eight rounds yesterday. I'm going to spar six tomorrow and then four on Saturday. And then um, we're going to be doing mitts and bad work and all that stuff um, this week. And then next week is just um, starting to stay sharp and ready for Saturday. Lose the last little bit of weight and that's it. Ramping down and just kind of get your rest. Exactly. And let the body recover and just get, get rest, like you said, and uh, – get focused and ready for Saturday night. Now you mentioned, you mentioned work, which I want to get to in, in a minute, but uh, I, I want to get the important stuff out of the way first. I've seen both 
Is it amazing, Andrew, or is it El Chango? El Chango. <laughs> they call me Chango, yeah, but but no, Bernie likes to do the amazing Andrew Concia too, which is pretty cool too. But yeah, my nickname's Chango. Where where does that come from? Um, it came from just being in the gym, um and um who had DS from India. Um said I was dark and ugly and hairy like a monkey, so he called me Chango. <laughs> and it just stuck. It just stuck with me. And um, everybody in the gym would call me Chango. And it just, I, I didn't mind it at all. I liked it, actually. Yeah, sometimes the ones where they're busting your balls are, are the best. They, they stick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, a, you're a native of Blythe, California, yeah? Yes. Okay. Uh, can you tell us what it was like growing up in Blythe, how you wound up being drawn into boxing? Blythe was a real small town. You uh, you know everybody. A lot of um, your friends, um, parents work at the prison. There's two prisons there, Chukwala and Ironwood. So that's uh, a lot of why a lot of people live there in the small town of Blythe. Plus, there's a bunch of uh, field work out there as well. So um, and uh, my boxing, uh, my family had always been a big boxing uh, fan and watching uh, all the big fights, the pay-per-views and and we'd always get together and watch them. Um, I had my idea that Black had a, even had a boxing gym. I followed a friend of mine uh, to the boxing gym one day in sixth grade, and uh, I never, uh, never looked back. And um, for fun, on the winter time, we'd ride our, go out and ride our dirt bikes and quads. And in the summertime, we'd go out to the river and hang out, even swim in canal banks and stuff. So jump off. Um, the bridges out there into the canal banks and stuff, just small town stuff. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you mentioned watching the pay-per-views, watching the big fights, being a big fight fan. What, was there anyone that you looked up to or you modeled your style after uh, as you were coming up? You know, no, I just had that come for Mexican style aggression, throwing uh, body shots. Um, I would like to pick off like um different different things from different fighters um like uh, marco antonio Barra, eric eric morales juan manuel marquez you know um Tavis senior and then even uh, baby Diaz, you know he was a come forward type guy put pressure on through a lot of body shots i would just pick up from like different you know something from different fighters and, and just you know my coaches would or already be working with me on certain things and, and just every fighter is different. So you see things differently than other fighters do in the ring. A lot of Mexican style though. A lot of aggressiveness. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of aggressiveness and a lot of body shots that I like to throw. So you mentioned the work, uh, everyone loves to talk about it, but it really is a great story. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here. You're a full-time field technician at Southern California gas company. Is that right? Yeah, construction technician. Um, it's my job title at the, the gas company. That's correct. Now, uh, we've seen this. Other fighters have been committed to to a second job or uh, other work deep into their careers, but not a whole lot of them after they become champions. I, mean, I remember Glenn Johnson doing this not too long ago. Um, but how long have you actually been balancing those two things? And then if you could just describe kind of what a typical day look, looks like for you. Well, I'm coming up on five years as a full-time employee. So 
before then I was balancing part-time meteorating for the California gas company. Um, but that wasn't nearly as um, hard as it is now working the 40 hours a week. And um, sometimes even overtime, depending on what, what goes on. But um, a typical work day is just my Monday through Friday, 6.33. Um, but if we have to go work the league or something, go dig, we have to go do that. Even if we get the phone call at 3 o'clock, right when we're coming back to the yard. It just varies, you know. So right now they have us on league survey, basically just walking around, um, walking our facilities and checking for uh, for any um, any gas leaks that we find. And then um, sometimes we have to dig them up and work them right through them there, depending on um, how severe the leaks are. So where the hell do you find the energy for all that? I mean, when when do you yeah, even I mean, fit in your training? Well, I run in the morning before work. So I'm easy to up by 4.15, and um, I hit the road work in before work. And then uh, I'm usually on the road by 5.15 in the morning on the way to Simi Valley, which is a 30-minute commute from uh, Ventura. And then I work and then come home, and I train. I go to go to the gym around 4.30, and I um, I um, I train, train to about 7.38 sometimes. And... Um, like I said, that Wednesday, taking Wednesday off during the work week um, is perfect. I just get to come home and, you know, just go for a run and, and then go um, go get a massage and just reset the body. So, and then before I know, it's Thursday, Friday, and then it's the weekend. And, um, you know, I just, the way I do it is just, I I remember the hard times, the difficult times where it was hard for me to pay my pay my, my bills, pay rent. You know, I can't afford to pay rent out here. It's, uh, it was pretty bad. Um, when the boxing career wasn't working out, that's what made me come to the to get a job at the at the gas company full time. So um, so yeah, that's how I find energy. I don't want I don't want my kids to uh, I don't want my kids to suffer or for us to suffer anymore. It's just it was very hard at those at those times where you couldn't even afford nothing. So that that's what gives me the energy to keep going and 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 keep uh, fulfilling my dream and. And uh, being a world champ, you know, I, that's, I just, as long as I put in the work, I, all the results will pay off in the, in the ring. So you, you kind of mentioned the, the down times, like what, what was your, your toughest stretch that you could remember? That being in one bedroom apartment and couldn't even afford the, the rent for that. And, you know, just struggling, uh, hoping to get a fight. And, um, and I was fighting like probably once a year, um, Bad man, uh, bad managers at the time, and it just—it was real rough. It was rough for me and my family. Uh, couldn't even go out and eat or anything. You know, it was just—it was rough times. So now I'm, uh, I'm able to pay my bills at the gas company, and then you know, hopefully there's extra money, I can buy a house out here in Florida and uh, be able to live comfortably. Hopefully, you know, I make the big bucks, or maybe I can step aside from the gas company and. Uh, and just focus on boxing. But for now, um, the two will have to remain uh, the same for now. Just keep keep grinding away each day. You know, hopefully land uh, those big payday fights, those big endorsement deals. So we'll see. Only uh, only time will tell. Is that the long term plan though? Is you'd you'd like to focus on the one? I mean, any I think anybody in their right mind would want to. Yes, I would. It's uh, you know, just for the, it's it's getting harder 
more tiring. Your body's, you know, this is uh, my fifth fight in a row. Yeah, what is my fourth world title fight, right? One, two. No, my third world third. title fight here. So, yeah, those these training camps are very, uh, very gruesome and very tiring. So, yeah, it would, it would, it would be nice to be able to just focus on boxing. But like I said, I gotta have a big payday. I get the sense that uh, one of the reasons that fans uh, get behind you is because they can relate to you. They, I think, they sense some of that struggle and. You keep coming back. I know you retired in 2016 for a little while, decided to come back. Um, and you mentioned your kids earlier. Was was that partially motivated by your kids? Did I hear that right? Yes. Yeah, they, they, they wanted to see me fight again. And I wanted I, – I had more to prove than the, the Jojo Diaz fight that made me take a, uh, a step aside from boxing. And, um, you know, I thought I was done, but my kids wanted to see me fight again. I, I didn't want to beat the sport like that. I, I felt like I had a lot more to prove, and um, sure enough, I did. Um, I'm glad that I came back, or else I wouldn't be where I'm at right now as yeah. a world champion. So, and being in the situation I am, so I'm I'm thankful for that. How old were your kids when when pushed by them back into it? Obviously, you made your own decision, but yeah, well, it's been a couple of years since I've been back, so they were probably uh, eight and five. Okay. Yeah, they're like they're gonna be. One's going to be 11, and one's going to be 8 now. Are they still pretty excited to, to watch you fight and see Dad work? Oh, yeah. They um, they love it. They they love the, the excitement about that and, and everything. They're, they're, real, they're real happy. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be able to give them the things that, that I want, I've been wanting to give them and, and just being able to like, live, live pretty comfortably right now. Um, you know, it's a lot of work. I'm I'm gone away from the family a lot. Um, between working the forty hours and working working for um to retain my, my, my belt. So it's uh, it's like having two jobs. It's exactly what it is. It's like having two jobs. I just have to um the 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 fighting's for me and the, the job security is pretty much for them. That way um, there's always food on the table and the rent's paid and everything's good to go. Fantasy Springs Resort Casino. It's in Indio. Not too far from where you, you grew up, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And it's kind of become your home court over the past few years. Yeah. Did I hear right that you had 3,000 fans show up for your first fight against Alberto Machado? Well, yeah. Um, place was sold out. So the second one, I believe they put in even more chairs in there. They they put the ring towards the middle. They rearranged it. They took uh, seats out from the media, and um, and yeah, that way more more um, more fans can go in there and watch. I think it would be like thirty five hundred. But yeah, it was crazy. It's crazy that it's it's a dream of mine to always want sold out arena, and even if it's a small one for now, but hopefully we we'll get to the big ones and um, and have people just turn you on. It was loud. It's it's nice seeing uh, being able to look and when I can walk out. It's just all dark because every 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 seat's filled up. So it was, it's exciting. It, it keeps that's what that's the only thing that keeps you motivated. It keeps you going. Keeps the hunger um, um, alive. It's looking for that win and then all the excitement and the joy that comes after the fight, and even in the fight, just the fans going crazy. I, you know, I don't want to let them down. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. I mean, 
we all have friends and family, but 3,000, I don't think I even know 3,000 people. And so I'm thinking about you going against Machado in, in a, a title fight, you know, this is back in February. What was the moment like when you pulled off this upset as a 20 to one underdog with all, all these people surrounding you, you know, back, got, got your back. Yeah, it was surreal. Um, you know, I, for one, to fight for a world title and two, to fight in, in, um, in my own backyard in front of my, my closest friends and family. And then uh, not only that, but to end it by a TKO where I didn't have to go to a scorecard was the best feeling in the world. Everything that I, I worked for uh, finally came through that night. And uh, it's one of those memories that you'll, you'll never forget. And it's going to always hold a, a special place, you know, in my, in my heart that, that night. So I'll never forget it. It was, you know, there was a lot of emotions going, um, going with that. Even afterwards, it was, it was you were in, you were in shock. It was, it was still like, man, like somebody pinched me. Is this like, is not a dream? Sure enough, it was. It just, it was crazy. It was crazy to be in there. That was the atmosphere around it. And um, I'm glad whoever went out there and supported me was able to experience that with me. So you knocked off Machado. Came back four months later and got him again. Uh, I mean, you don't have a huge knockout percentage, but you got two fights, two KOs, no scorecards, no questions. Which one was sweeter, the first one or the second one? The first one. Yeah. I I, I knew that I was going to do the same thing that that I was going to do with uh, the first fight. So, you know, and I, my power has always been there. I've always been able to hurt my opponents. Um, Darman just was a really tough cookie. I had him staggered in a couple of rounds. But what, I got a 21 win and 17 by knockout. So that's pretty good with the power. So, yeah. like I said, whenever I, I come around, I, but I think I'm at my, I think I'm at my, um, my prime right now. I think I'm peaking at the perfect time and everything's coming together just fine now. I feel a lot stronger than ever before. So that's, that has a lot to help out with. So I got a few quick hitter questions here. Some of them are a little, little goofy. Who's the hardest hitter you ever faced? The hardest hitter I ever faced was Rashi Hardis. He killed everything. Um, he, when he hit me, he was one of the hardest hitters I've ever faced. And Mattel knocked me down, but man, me and Rashi Hardis in the 10 rounds, and he was one of the hardest hitting um, guys out there. He, he had a deep bump. And he was at that point. He was probably starting to starting to slow down a little bit. Yes, but yeah, I can, can imagine how much in the light he knocked people out. Right, he he dropped me and and it, it hurt. So he he's got he's got pop. <laughs> he had something left at least. Yep. Now, what's the best punch you've thrown? The best punch I've thrown. Yeah, or the maybe the most memorable. Um, the most memorable is going to be the battle fight. That's yeah. for sure going to be the best one, hands down for now. Yeah. You know, knockout victory on the, for the, for the WBA uh, championship, that's going to be the best memory for now. What is the dumbest thing or the, the worst choice you've ever made in a, in a boxing ring? In the boxing ring or leading up to the fight? Uh, either one. Uh, I would say cutting too much weight. In a short period of time, I think I did wrap 22 pounds on 11 days before. Wow. And that was the stupidest thing I could have done. 
I don't know that the average fan realizes it's definitely sounds drastic, but I don't know that the average fan realizes what that does, especially at your weight. Yeah, that, that's when I that's when I first defeat against Carlos Dunan in Planet Hollywood. That was the dumbest thing I I could have done entering that ring or in last minute phone call and trying to do all that in eleven days is the dumbest thing and I paid the price for it. And you know, you've had you have had a few losses here and there throughout your career. What can you learn from those losses? Or do you feel like you learn anything from them? Do, do, do other fighters, do you think they take anything away from things like that? Oh, yeah. You learn, you know. You want to close out the show. You know, I don't feel like I lost to Ronnie Rios. I don't feel like I lost to um, Roger Gonzalez. Um, policy nine, that was a close one. But because he dropped me, he, um, he edged it out at one point. And then, uh, of course, you know, um, Jojo Diaz definitely whipped my ass, so. But yeah, no, you, you take away from it, it hurts, but it really, you rebuild it, it comes back in the gym, working harder, looking at your flaws, looking at what you could have done better. And you do learn from it. Either you do or you don't, but I did. And I think that's why I'm I'm, at, I'm where I'm at right now, because you just, instead of giving up, I just took the defeat and um, and learn from it on um, seeing which ways I can improve more. So you got Alvarado coming up. Uh, Saturday, November 23rd, and you're back at Fantasy Springs. Give me at least one thing that you think that he does really well in the ring. He throws a lot of punches. He throws a lot of punches. That's really well. It can really keep a fighter um, out of the fight by doing that. But, um, but yeah, he does throw a lot of punches. He, he, he does hit hard as well. Um, so that's what he needs from before. He's always in shape. So. I uh, definitely I'm ready for that though. It sounds like an action fight. It sounds like something everybody's going to be excited about tuning in for. Oh, yeah. And the first fight was an action fight fight until, you know, until I ended it. You know, eight out of ten. So it's, uh, it's going to be a good one. There are a lot of other really good, interesting fights to be made at 130. Not that you want to look past Alvarado, but is there an ultimate goal down the road? Is there, you know, you're looking to take down a certain guy, unify all the belts? What's the kind of end game? Yeah, that's the goal is to hopefully get past uh, Renee and um, come out victorious November 23rd, first and foremost. And then after that, yeah, I want the big fights, the big paydays, um, the other champions. So um, hopefully JoJo beats Farmer. That way we can unify and I can advance my loss. So there's a lot of there's a lot of big fights out there to be made. A lot of good talent at 130 pounds that I would not mind mixing it up with any any one of those guys. All right. Well, good luck, good health to you, and I really appreciate you joining us today, Andrew. No problem, Jason. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Andrew Cancio, ladies and gentlemen, really nice, thoughtful guy. We are regularly exposed to the multi-gazillionaires like Canelo Alvarez, Manny Pacquiao in boxing. But this always has been and still remains a working man's sport. Cancio is a great reminder of that. If you dig boxing, go out and support your local shows. Uh, thanks to my pal Bernie for connecting us with Andrew. And be sure to watch Saturday night on DAZN when Cancio defends his junior lightweight title in a rematch with Rene Alvarado. 
As always, thanks to listening to Ringtones. Your ears and eyeballs and keystrokes are all very much appreciated. To that end, again, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. We got Apple, people. We are on the gravy train. And don't forget to follow us at Twitter and Facebook at at ringtonespod. Until next week.